Hi everyone, my name is Wayne Heath and welcome to Conversations with Clubright, a podcast about sharing my experiences as an ex-gym owner and current business owner. We're at a really exciting time where the UK fitness and wellness market is worth over £20 million. So now really is a great time to start thinking about what you can do to make things better, or even starting your own fitness business if you don't already have one. We talk about topics from retention and driving membership sales all the way through to improving processes in your club and even interviewing the occasional guests. So get yourself comfortable and let's get on with the podcast. Hi, welcome to Conversations with Clubright and today I've got the pleasure of interviewing Gary White, um, an accountant, entrepreneur, I'm not going to say how many years, we say 40 years? We'll go, we'll, we'll mm, say the 40 years. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Started his own accounting practice in uh, August 1990, uh, chairman of Haybridge Swiss, which we're very proud of as an illustrious team, we'll tell us a bit more about that later I'm sure, okay. and uh, finance director of Clubright, so we're very proud to be sitting together talking about a bit of money, how finance works, and uh, the background to what makes Gary White do what he does. So, first question, I suppose, is who is Gary White? Well, I, I'm, uh, as you say, an accountant, been in uh, in, the, in business, um, certainly been in the accountancy for 40-odd years, joined in the 70s when life was very different to very different. now, although with uh, you know, some of the things that you hear these days, it does sound at times like we're going to go back there. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? <laughs> won't uh, talk about politics, that's for sure. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I qualified uh, working for large companies in industry and commerce, and right. I worked for a big uh, dairy company, in fact, oh, okay. um, Dairy Crest, and dairy uh, Crest. that's where I got qualified, and in 1990, I decided Was this to when they there. used to deliver milk to the front door? They did, they did. yeah, <laughs> we had loads of milk, milk curbmen, we used to employ thousands of people, wow. and... Uh, and I got a chance to set my own practice up because uh-huh. I built up a lot of experience there and uh, they were franchising out all their milk rounds to private individuals. Oh. And I thought, well, those guys are going to need a, an accountant to do their tax and bits and pieces uh-huh. like that. Okay, so clever stuff. That's really how we, we got, I, I got into practice, my wife and I. Um, set the business up, so left in 1990, right. gave the, co- the company car back, took the plunge. Um, that was a challenge. Uh, it was, it was a challenge, It was, uh, but I really enjoyed it. Yeah. You know, I was so determined and focused, to be honest. And I think that's what it takes most of the time. Uh, you know, you've got to have a, a decent business plan, a decent yep. idea, but you've got bags of energy and drive, and, and there was nothing going to stop me, to be honest. No. Once I'd made me mind, I was going to Well, I've it. known how you are, and I can <laughs> certainly agree with that. <laughs> It, it does, it is that determination, and I would say that to any gym owners out there, or people who are possibly considering setting up their own gym. Of course. You know, if you've got the drive and the determination, you'll make it. Yeah. You'll make it work, come what may. So what you're saying is just picking up on what you said earlier. So all these guys and girls driving milk floats suddenly became their own businesses? They did, yeah. Works? I mean, some of them fell by the wayside, unfortunately, but, but the, there was, I think, 2,000 of them over wow. there. I thought, well, if I get 10% of the market, that could be a quite a nice little practice. And, and how much uh, did you get yeah. I think we got about 250, 300. Seriously? Yeah, which wow. is which, not a great business model to be too focused on one industry, I guess. Yeah, we, yeah. we soon started branching out and diversifying across businesses generally. Yeah. And throughout the 1990s, um, there was a boom in small businesses. A lot right. of businesses um, started up in that time. Um, and, uh, yeah, there was a good environment for business. There, there wasn't the technology that we've got now. You know, yeah. 
only can only dream of the, some of the some of the solutions yeah. that are out there now no, that definitely. are just a, just a click or two away, yeah. and for relatively small amounts per month that you could run a business on. Makes sense now that you couldn't do then. You yeah. know, we had piles of paper everywhere. We had floppy disks. I had ladies <laughs> working disks. from home coming in, picking up great big piles of paper like that that they would then take away and yeah. put on our spreadsheets. We we used Lotus One Two Three in those days, wow. which was quite a good little system. Yeah, yeah. But you know, it was it was very primitive by yeah. comparison to now. Um, so I suppose you're looking at that person who was employed by someone who was most probably quite scared all of a sudden of how the hell do I do all this important stuff through HMRC and everything else really. Yeah, as we used to say to them, look, you get on with selling the milk, you get on you know, with getting up <coughs> at some ungodly hours six mornings a week and we'll do the rest. Yeah. We'll look after you that, sense. we'll look after your tax, make sure you provide for your tax and that sort of yeah. stuff. And some didn't, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> But there's some great characters, and, yeah. and we had a lot of fun. Uh, I've got to say. Sounds good. And, uh, that's the other thing about business; it's, it's got to be fun. It is. It's got to be fun. Otherwise, if you're not it's enjoying not, it, then you're not going to be very successful at it. Really. Yeah, exactly. It's not going to work, is it? No. So I'm just kind of back. So we've known each other for a while, but I'm trying to think, when do we meet? How long ago was that? I would say probably when getting on for ten years. I would, wow. I would say something like that. Um, and I think in those days, I think you had. I think you still had your old gym. We did, yeah, that's how we first met. I think that's, that's exactly right. That's yes, how I remember now. And I think you came to our old firm, that's our it. old firm, then CBHC Chartered Accountants. That's it, I remember and, um, now. Me and Mel came down there without... You might have even spoke to Ian, I think, first of all. Ian I Harris, think I did. Rather than me. Yes, I, I did. No, I spoke to Ian first, and then I think I got introduced to you by Ian. Think about it. That's it, yeah. 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 So and uh, kept in good contact ever since. Yeah, and obviously we worked together with you a previous uh, company and yeah. software business and, and obviously then when you set the new one up um, you know obviously we, we spoke and uh, and the rest is history. Indeed. Fantastic. So tell me a bit, a bit more about experience that you've had starting your own business. I suppose we kind of touched a little bit on it earlier but from your point of view what would be important when you're starting your own business do you think? I think the key thing is, is having a plan you know and not necessarily a 28 page or 50 page business plan yeah. but a key plan um, that you can get down and document really, mm -hmm. uh, and um, which addresses the key areas. And you know, it's got to be a good product. It's got to be a, in the right market. Yeah. Um, but I do f do think that writing it down or get getting someone to do it with you, but preferably doing it yourself. I think really, um, when we decided to set up our business, um, I was still an employee for Dairy Crest at the time. I remember having the idea driving home on the M25. Right. Uh, most drive for an hour to get back home to Ongar. It was in those days yeah. in Essex. And driving back and had the business idea told my wife and she was actually quite supportive i remember that night be feeling really excited and going yeah. out of bed uh, reluctantly at midnight and not being out of sleep <laughs> yeah, i can imagine and i actually got up i just i probably slept for about half an hour really and i got up and i actually got my um it wasn't well laptops weren't invented in those days no. they were called um personal computers or, or mobile computers. It was right. a Hewlett Packard. Oh, okay. It looked like a big sewing machine. <laughs> and you dropped the, the base of it down. There was a keyboard and a screen about that big. No. And I actually had me Lotus 1, 2, 3. And, oh, fantastic. And some sort of word processing software, I can't remember what it was, VisiCalc or something like that. And, and actually wrote a business plan, literally. Uh, yeah, and, and sat up all night, didn't go, back, didn't go back to sleep. Right. Went to work the next day, which I think was a Friday. Absolutely buzzing. Wow! Um, didn't feel at all tired. I was just yeah. I'd made my mind up, and I'd, I'd done these numbers, and I'd done the written bit. I wouldn't recommend people sitting up all night. And no, not no, no, I no. I recommend I'm getting some sleep, to be honest. But there's no way I was going to sleep. But I've, I don't recall ever doing that, um, other than the odd sleepless night here yeah. and there as you have with business. Yeah. But I don't recall ever um, consciously sitting awake all night. It's kind of that excited, isn't I, it? Just the adrenaline was just flowing. Yeah, it's funny you used to say what you said because the name Club Right. 
that came about at 4.30 a.m. in the morning. Really? Yeah, and I'd <laughs> sat there thinking, what name's appropriate? What's going to make things good? What's going to make things believable? And I thought, club, club right, club right, right. Ah, do everything right with club right. Yeah. I'm running my business right with club right. And there was just so many marketing connotations. And you did that pretty early on, because I remember when you rang me, literally, a few yeah. days after, you know, yeah. I think I was just in Lanzarote at the time, yeah. I'm pretty sure I was, and I was yep. by the pool, and you said, I'm going to call it club right. And I said, wow. Yeah, it's a great name. Yeah, yeah and there we are. You know, and it is. We yeah. just cracked on, and I think it's that drive is kind of what you just picked up on. There is kind of what makes people do what they do. Yeah, and then it's that immersion into the being convinced that you know you're on the right path and you're going to deliver it. But the planning bit, I I really find interesting because planning it, and I know working with you that the planning of that business and everything you do do makes it know where you're going to be going if you yeah. don't plan it you can't benchmark if you've been successful or not that's right i think without a plan it's like it's like sat naps now isn't it we, yeah. we we wouldn't dream of going somewhere we we're, we don't know where it is without a sat nav now we'd yeah, always do that well why would why would you do that in business you know, exactly. why would you not have a clear it's taken me some weird ways sometimes <laughs> sat nav i've yeah. once been on the green lane in kent thinking i'm never going to get on the day road and i did yeah. So it did get me there. So yeah. the plan worked. <laughs> no, it does. Yeah. And and a business plan is right a bit like a business sat nav. You know, yeah. it doesn't have to be massive. It doesn't have to be incredibly detailed. And it, and it, but it's got to be something that you you you're happy to refer back to and update and tweak. And do you think it's some? Well, obviously, it's always evolving. That's yeah, for sure. You just absolutely. mentioned tweaking it, but at the same time, with the business planning that we have for club, right? You know, we we get together and plan for the following year but we have got a plan for the next five years. That's right. So would yeah. you suggest it's always good to have a plan of more than a year? I agree, I, absolutely right. Yeah, I mean, it's funny, um, I, I noticed in the council about 10, probably 15 years ago now, I found a bit of software, which is a Sage product called Sage Financial Forecasting. And I actually fell in love with it. I thought, yeah, this is great, because you can yeah. sit, uh, and the reason I fell in love with it is I sat down with one client in particular who was never that interested in his year-end accounts. Was okay. always, and like a lot of clients, a lot of entrepreneurs, they're not interested in history, they're interested in the future. Yeah, of course. You can't change that history, yeah. but you can change the future. Yeah, and I just saw him light up when I showed him exactly where his business was now and where I thought he could take it, oh, roughly okay. speaking, just by tweaking a few little variables like 20% growth in that year and 10% that right. year and the margins going from 18% So sort of manageable Just little targets. tweaks like that. And yeah, I said, yeah, well, yeah. If, you, if you achieve those things, here's where you are now, P&L and balance sheet wise, and here's where you will be. And he, he was like, I just saw the interest in his face. He was like, wow, that's fantastic. Yeah. I'm going to do that. Yeah. Anyway, every time we then met each quarter afterwards, he would then get his results out and wheel his accountant in and we'd look at where he had progressed in relation to that original. Of course. We broke it down month by month and stuff like that. And it changed his life and he, he doubled it. In the end, he doubled. Wow. You know, he thought he'd get the business. It wasn't 20%, it's was double. He thought he'd get it to 10 million, he got it to 20 million. Good and, God. And, and much more than that. That's phenomenal. I'm not saying that was all down to him looking at that that forecast but it, but it gave him it gave him some milestones and some yeah, targets yeah. and um and it really you know really made me sit up and listen and someone a year or two after that said to me um you know as an accountant you should be trying to work in the same time frame as your clients yes he said 90 percent of accountants work in sorry accountants work 90 percent in the past and 10 percent in the future it's all historical stuff business owners work 90% in the future and 10% in the past. That's such a good point. That and really thought, is a good point. Well, why don't we just position ourselves as a business always in the same yeah. wavelength as the clients and be proactive uh, and do all the things that we know interest them. Yeah, we've still got to do the other boring stuff that yeah. they don't really value. But it's all like the boring 
You've got to get the boring stuff right to, to yeah, be able to get the interesting side of things. You've got to do it. Yeah. Um, and that was, that was life-changing me. So that was that was one of the best bits of advice. So honestly, that really is an interesting one because you're totally right. You know, you, the accounting the accounting side of it, what's been done is done. I know what I did last month, and yeah. you could argue it is a bit boring in a way. You, but you where do. I'm going is the bit that excites me. But you've got to have recorded it correctly in the past to be able to forecast in the future. Yeah. One doesn't work without the other. Yeah. And I think I guess to, to translate that into one sentence really is to really say, well, don't be product led, be market led. Yeah. Serve what the market wants, what the clients want, not what you've been trained to give them. Of course. You might have been trained thirty years ago to give them that product. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in the accountancy and law, legal yes, professions changed. Perhaps a little bit like that. They want different stuff now. They want more proactive stuff, and yeah. they pay a premium for it. Therefore, yeah. why would you not want to do it? Yeah, because it seems obvious to me. Well, it does, but it's like anything. If you don't think about it, what is obviously right underneath your nose is the bit that's important to people. That's right. That's right. So let's change the subject a bit. What's it like being the chairman of Haybury Swifts? I mean, that's <laughs> pretty. You've, you know, football's a big thing for you, Gary. It is, yeah. Uh, it's been and you know that football's not something I totally understand very well, but I do come along and attend matches and support it. And my son loves it, and I haven't got a clue what offside means. I'm still <laughs> 10 years down the road from watching my son play. But football's been your life. So tell me a bit about Swifts and you being that chairman. Well, it, it, I mean, I love it. I've been watching them for about 20 years, 21 years. We moved into that area near Malden in Essex. And, uh, you know, I, I just love non-league football. I was growing up. Yeah. Grew up watching it as a kid, and never was never quite good enough to play at that sort of level. I played right. a lot. I played for 40, 40 years. Wow! Um, and uh, went along there to the Haybridge Swifts, and I just thought it was a, what a lovely, friendly club. Carried on watching them, and then a few years down the line, probably five years ago now, they approached me because they needed their accounts sorting out, and uh, so we got them onto zero, of course. Of course, without you know, without question, we, we always did that. Um, and then a few months in, the existing chairman there said he was looking to move out of the area and stand down, and oh, okay. he was going to put my name forward to take over right. from him. And uh, so I took a long, long, long time considering it and thinking it through, at least 30 seconds. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and, uh, I also said, I will speak to my wife about it. Yeah, because, that was uh, 31 she, seconds, yeah. Yeah, that was 31 <laughs> seconds. And she said, well, I'm, am I going to be able to stop you? And I said, well, not really, no. no but no. I thought I'd just mention And she's a regular attender every... She's brilliant. She comes to all the games. Twice, three times a week. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, uh, in fact, she'd, she'd had the experience before. She, she when, when we first met, 30 odd years earlier I was a football nut so that's, that was never going to yeah, change yeah. and um, uh, and I'd been a director of Colchester United for two years back oh, in yes. yeah, 2010 so yeah, of great experience from that that was part-time non-exec role so I picked up a lot of experience <coughs> from that that I was keen to then apply to the non-league arena yeah, of course. Um, so I've had a great time I mean three three and a half years now um, yeah stressful it yeah. difficult you know, last night we played against Sudbury. You know, lovely, great game of football. Yeah, we lost one nil. Oh no! Frustrating, annoying. That's the first loss in a long time. Yeah. It is, yeah. But you know, we're up near the top of the league. We, if we'd have won last night, we'd have gone top. But well, these things happen in football, and you have to move on and uh, you know accept defeat. And that, and the, be the better side won. They were, yeah. they were very good. They played really well on the night. But uh, I love it. You know, and it's a juggling act, making yeah. sure you got fans coming in, making sure the the books balance, and you got the money there, and. Um, but we've had some great successes and I wouldn't change it for the world. So. In terms of that expertise of you playing football, chairman, do you think that team ethic is something that's really important in business? I think there's some huge similarities between business and football. Yeah. I mean, um, uh, Habe Swift is just it's like an extension of the clients that I've got. It's, it's very much a case of trying to, as chairman, to try and create the right environment and mm -hmm. the... And the um, 
uh, you know, a positive and supportive environment where people go there to enjoy themselves and they're there to com you know, compete in sport. It's not all necessarily about winning every week. Yeah, no. you'd love to, but yeah. you've got to accept that sometimes you're going to lose. Um, as a club, we've got 21 junior clubs as well, so that's a really? very healthy that's and big, great, great way for uh, young people and uh, of, all, of all ages really yeah, yeah. getting involved there, and, and the, the health and fitness that that provides, of course. the camaraderie, the, the team, you know, and uh, uh, all the different um, team team ethics that the, the, yeah. and the, the parents. Yeah, it's a great community there, and, yeah, and it's a real privilege to, yeah. to to think that I'm chairman of that, and uh, hopefully a lot of the experiences and the knowledge I've brought from the business world. Can apply to uh, you can the see that football. how Swifts have changed in the last few years. Yeah, no well, I'd, like, about that. I'd like to think we're oh, doing better. We, we've still got some way to go, and yeah. it's like any organisation. You know, as soon as you think you're there and you've made it and you're perfect, yeah. and you're dead in the water. Yeah, um, I mean it's a bit like us. You know, I look at you know as a business, we've got the people out the front there as the strikers making things happen. You've got the middle ground protecting it. And you've got the goalkeeper making sure nothing falls out of the net that we get upset right. anyone along the way. That's right. Because as a business, you need those people in the right places. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's a lot of interesting analogies. So I've learned a lot from you in that regard. To <laughs> say, well, you know, how do we actually get <clears throat> the right team? You need people doing the right jobs to make sure that the whole overall team delivers. And I think also you need in business, you know, if you're, if you're a business owner, you need the people working for you that perhaps have got different skills to you. Yeah, totally. You, know, you don't really want to employ clones yourself you want them to have the same values and the same um, you know ethics and uh, you know positive culture and everything like that but um, you don't necessarily want them no. all salesmen because exactly. you know you, know, nothing you can't do everything done. no exactly and it's just yeah, nothing ever happens <laughs> a mixture so in my notes I've got a, a quote that says I make sure that every day I have a plan and I can differentiate between important and urgent issues Tell me a bit about that. It sounds like you have a little bit in a way, but it's kind yeah. of like you've defined how you deal with your day by planning it. I do. I mean, I try to. I try to. I used to keep a timesheet every little minute did every you? day, and I did that for 20-odd years. Wow. It must have been... What, just plan, a notepad? Yeah. No, on a spreadsheet. I would, okay. I would plan it. Start of each day, and I'd have all the jobs that I hadn't done the day before or whatever, and I would bring them forward. I would try and distinguish between urgent and important. I'm impressed. And I don't think I'm a great time manager, because I, 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 I am easy distracted. You know, if, if I call it um, shiny penny syndrome. <laughs> There's always these nice little pennies that come in. Oh, <laughs> well, the trace lights we have today. <laughs> you've already got a pocket full of them to deal with already. Yeah, and I know you know it's easy to get distracted, but... You know, providing you've got good people around you, you can pick up on those ones. Of course. You, you sometimes still can do it. But, um, yeah, I used to record every minute of every day because in the accountancy profession, you're, you're billing, in many cases, based on time. So you yes. have to, you know, back it up and justify it. But I stopped doing that two or three years ago when we set the new company up, the new business, which is um, an R&D tax consulting okay. business, Aspen Wake White, part of the Aspen Wake group. Um, it's brilliant. You know, it, it's we, we spend all our time now doing R&D tax claims for businesses, so we're helping them to be rewarded for their innovation. Of course. Um, and overcoming technical uncertainty, it's, it's, and it's fantastic satisfaction. Yeah. So it brings together so many of the skills that I've built up over the years and the experience. Um, and we've got a really good little team of people there now. So um, so now I don't record every minute of each day, right. um, which sometimes which took, took me a little while to get used to. I still yeah. plan ahead each day. Because you're in that habit of doing it. Yeah, yeah. and it, it does seem, a, I do feel a bit guilty at times not doing timesheets, oh, really? but a lot of time was getting spent multitasking and you know, keeping timesheets all the time. Well, yeah, we, don't, yeah. we don't charge by the hour, we charge by the value created, a percentage yeah, of the tax sense. recovered. So. 
um, provided I don't spend too much time on certain clients at the expense yeah. of others. I so you can see what's cost effective to spend more of your time on yeah. based on that return. Exactly. Yeah. And, I, and I think what, what I really enjoy now is the variety of the different businesses that I'm working working with, not just in terms of R&D, but in directorships like I am yeah. with Clubright, because yeah. if I can bring some value and bring some of the experience I've gained from dealing with hundreds of other businesses of over the years and help you know people avoid some of the pitfalls yeah. and mistakes or whatever, that gives me a lot of satisfaction. And I think that's the, the bit that, is, you know, apart from anything else, is a pleasure working with you because you do, you're able to bring a breadth of knowledge to the board of directors at Clubright that isn't just a normal accountant's approach in that regard because you have such a wealth of experience and have that entrepreneurial look, outlook. Yeah, I think that's I, always been a bit that I've, it's been really interesting. Well, it's interesting. I, I came here from a meeting um, just a few miles away near, near, uh, near Wickford. Um, okay. I've got a client there that's a dental, um, cosmetic dental manufacturing business. They oh, supply wow. dentists around the UK. Really good business. And we had a guy there that, who had been an employee for the last 20 years considering setting up his own business. Oh, right. And I said to him, well, I've not been an employee for 29 years of anyone. So, yeah. I, you know, I, I could only give you the advice and, and share with you that, you know, um, uh, uh, that what I think you should be doing and it's always going to be set your own business up yeah, because of course. he is very good on sales he's very good on uh, areas that um, uh, in his particular marketplace and, and um, you know it, it just it, and he's worried about tax and he's worried about compliance yeah. and those sort of bits and, and pieces and other things and that are scary to me yeah he was scared of that and I said well look the most I said those things you can you can buy in or you, they're not that difficult I said the most hardest thing is selling a product delivering a service keeping customers yeah. happy. I said, no, if totally. you can do those things, and he does that, he's done that for years in yeah, an employed yeah. capacity, there's no reason why you can't do it. Because you know those skills, you just need to make it part of your business. Yeah, that's the hard thing, I think. So is it true, this is netted down some interesting sort of technical accounting terminology, so are we can be okay with this? Yes, okay. far away. Cool. Is it true <laughs> that you are personally liable for trading debts if you're not a limited company or an LLP. That's absolutely right, yeah. I mean, I, I, um, I would always recommend any business, however small, um, to trade um, not as a sole trader uh, or a conventional partnership. Always do it as a limited company okay. or an LLP, limited liability right. partnership. For that reason, because if you, you know, if you have a business and you have the misfortune that, that business goes goes bust or whatever, or ceases trading and has got debts or whatever, and if you're a sole trader business, you are personally liable. Right. Okay. So like everything. any equipment you purchase, a lease on a shop or Absolutely. a building, yeah, personally liable for everything. And uh, wow. I've seen some awful cases. You know, one or, one or two people over the years that have, have had that, and uh, you know, it, it's it's very sad to see. Whereas a limited company, you and the limited company that you own. Or yeah. control or whatever are two separate legal entities. And that limited company, correct me if I'm wrong, could be one director, couldn't it? Doesn't Absolutely, have yeah. to be more than, have one. more than one. And I think that's where some people get confused. Yeah. Maybe go down that sole trader route because it's just me. Yeah, absolutely right. Maybe I mean, think it's not even did, available to them. You did used to have to have yeah. two shareholders, two, two directors, but that, that changed probably 15, 20 years ago. Right. Um, now you can have sole directors, so you don't, um, you know, it, it, and you're not prevented from being a limited company of course. because of that. And, and um, you know, apart from anything else, there's some still some good tax benefits from being limited compared to sole trader. Okay. You, get a, you know, you will pay less in the way of tax if you structure it in a way to the way you extract the money out and, and any accountant. Any top tip that. on that sort of, uh, well, along uh, that line? What I would say is don't take it as a salary, take it, your money out as a dividend. Okay. Um, pay yourself a relatively small salary uh, on a, you know, that utilises the, the, the personal allowance and uh, make sure that you pay at least some national insurance yeah. to protect your 
benefits and stuff like that. It's about eight thousand, ten thousand a year, whatever. Um, and extract the rest as dividends. You'd yeah. have to wait to the end of the year. Right. You've got to be making a profit to be able to take dividends Absolutely. out. Yeah, that kind of makes sense. Most people hopefully are. Um, yeah. Um, so that's that's the key. I mean, that's, yeah. that's a big. And thing. they're the kind of things that people worry about, isn't it? Yet again, you know, how do I make sure that I can make myself tax efficient in my working? So it's the the extra benefit to me of taking that leap of faith yeah. to create my own business is is that kind of benefit. And that's what you can get a chance to grow. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think yeah, there's 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 lots of other there's lots of advice out there. Oh, sure. There's much more advice and help and online. You know, we've got this thing called the internet now, which wasn't there in 1990. Was it and, not? Uh, <laughs> you have to go to the library and get books out, and uh, and and you know, and there weren't there weren't that many other small businesses really. It's interesting you, you mentioned the internet, though. But how easy is it to find out what yeah, you need to know? Incredible. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculously just, easy. And, uh, that's, and I'm a bit of a knowledge junkie. I do love, yeah. you know, googling things and people. You do send me links regularly. So I, I do. Go along I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm they're always interesting. The TV and I think, oh, that would be interesting. That yeah. client. Eastenders. Oh, was one from Gary. <laughs> <laughs> I need to. Yeah. I but I, I usually have to put Eastenders on pause because so, yeah. it's recording. Because I'm usually working so late. And I can read it. Oh, I can't watch that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a mission. That's a bad mission online. <laughs> um, as a business owner. What would be the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Well, yeah, I've had, I've had some very good bits of advice, and and you tend to take advice from people who have been there, seen it, done. Of course, it, and there's there's some great people, and uh, the, the the best bit of advice I think probably actually stems back. It's just general time management advice, and it was from a guy called John Harvey Jones or Sir John Harvey oh, Jones. Oh yes, now no longer with us, of course. Yep. You know, he was a fantastic uh, business businessman. He had a couple and, of good uh, programs. I remember. He did. He had a pro program called the Troubleshooter. That was to it. Go into yes. business. He used yes, to run yes. ICI. So, ICI was one of the biggest companies in on the UK stock market. Yeah, massive, yeah, massive um, petrochemical company. Um, he ran it. He used to be a naval officer before that. So he had a great career in the naval, and he was he was a great leader and wrote some good books and. Um, he, he had a saying which I thought summed up pretty much not just business, yeah. but any leadership, any management role. And he said, only do what only you can do. And I'm, when he said that, I thought, sure. what's he talking about? And, but when you break that down, what he's saying is that if it's something that you've got to do that someone else could do, delegate it. If you've got some people working for it, get them to do it. Even if you're working on your own, yeah, it no. could be there's a bit of technology, a bit of a system out there. There's something <coughs> you can automate it. Of course. I was talking to this guy today, you know, he was talking about raising invoices, why do I do that? You know, and, and collecting fixed monthly fees from companies, yeah. well, the system will do that for you, Zero will do that, yeah, yeah. you've got to worry. You can set up go card or something like that, it'll yeah. collect the money for you, Absolutely. you've got to worry. Exactly. You can believe it, you know. Yeah. Um, so there's things like that. So, you know, only doing what only you can do doesn't yeah. necessarily mean delegate, it, mean, no. it does mean delegate, but if you haven't got staff to delegate to, look at outsourcing it or systematizing yeah. it. Or and it's an interesting point, you know, things like outsourcing is, um, and with <clears throat> the advent of you know, softwares like Xero is a good example because there are plenty of accounting firms using someone like software Xero that make it very easy for that business owner to manage their, the information they need to produce to their accountant. Yeah. As opposed, and I'm, you'll remember this I'm sure, as opposed to this great big box that turns up once a year and you're thinking, well, full it, of it, dread, what am I going to do with this box it's of amazing. paper? I, you know, when I look now at the software like Xero, and Xero is superb, I, yeah, yeah. I, I, spot, I found Xero about six, seven years ago <coughs> uh, at a conference and I just thought it was wonderful. I thought it was absolutely brilliant and, and still think that to this day and I'm delighted that that you know the club right have become a Xero partner. Yeah, yeah. There's, a, there's a, an API link between the two which is 
absolutely brilliant, a, a major move forward for us as a business. And I think back now, and I think back if Zero or something like that was around in 1990 yeah. when I was yeah. starting up, we wouldn't have had 200 clients, we'd have had 2,000 Exactly. Because you know, we'd have been able to handle yeah. a lot more oh. uh, with that technology. But uh, It's amazing how it changes. Literally, I mean, if I get a receipt, I can take a photo of that receipt, boom, yeah. done, finished. Absolutely. You know, and you can, you can, you know, it's not the lost thing. You can, you, and the, and the, the, the ease of uh, linking software now, and uh, and I'm delighted to see the club, you know, the the, the, the club right connection with Go Carlos and that sort of stuff, and technology. It all talks to each other. So yeah. there's a lot that you can delegate and yeah. reduce the amount of time there to, to to free up your time for the important stuff, the client to make, facing to stuff, to sell to things and make money and run the business, profitability, basically, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So I guess we're coming towards the end of our questions now, which is interesting. So based on the fact that we, our fundamental customers are independent gym owners, uh, what would you say the best piece of advice you could give to a gym owner right now? Well, apart from buying club right immediately. Well, absolutely. That goes without saying. So. Clearly, really good <laughs> advice. Have you got that? <laughs> I, you know, there's so many resources yeah. out there. And I think, you know, staying close to your customers, you know, I think... You know, I, I was I, I saw a presentation the other week, and it was about lean management systems oh, and this right. sort of stuff. And I thought, lean management and this Japanese sort of stuff. And, and I thought, oh, what's all that nonsense about? But the lady who delivered this delivered it brilliantly. I've got to say, and she said, structure everything. All these systems and processes in the business should be structured around the client. Right. Make the client experience as easy as possible, as pleasurable as it is. Make it easier to do business. And I thought that was brilliant, absolutely mm -hmm. brilliant. And, and and if you've got that at the heart of everything you do, yeah. uh, and you are market led, as we said, said everyone, not just not product led, yep. because the, it's the market determines. It's not your decision what people buy. No. Yes, you you know you could offer them X, but they actually may be wanting Y. Yeah, yeah. If you're always aware of what they really do want, and you they're going to buy, it. and adapt your processes and products and services to to meet that. Mm -hmm. Um, you'll be very successful. You know, I've seen examples of businesses that were product-led, and in yeah. fact, I worked in a business that was very product-led. Really? Accountancy yeah. professionally is very product-led. Yeah. Um, it has to be to a certain extent, it, but really, I think it should be market-led. But, but, and the world's changed. You know, the, the, the likes of, like you mentioned, Zero, things like the uh, bookkeeping is kind of almost removed to a small, larger extent. Awesome. So the lion's yeah. share, what an accountant might have charged a client, say a gym owner, for yes. is gone. So they then need to sort of make sure they've got a product that actually solves all their problems. And they, the accountant almost got to come up with different types of services to actually even be competitive anymore. Would the good, I be the right good news that? is there's plenty out there. There's plenty oh, yeah. of services out there. Um, they've only got to look. They've only got to yeah. listen. Really listen. What you know? Really, really talk to clients on a regular basis. What do you really want? Yeah. You know, we're delivering X. Do you really want X? Do you want? Or do you want exactly. ABC or? XYZ instead, yeah. or in addition to, uh, and and very often if you're if you're charging if you're providing a premium service and a mm -hmm. value real adding value and helping the profitability of those businesses, yeah. there's every chance that they'll pay for it yeah. and pay more for it. Of course, than the stuff they have to have. I think actually I was with a, a gym not long ago, and doing a similar kind of thing and asking what they were talking about in their business, and I said to them, you need to find out who your best customers are, mm. have a chat with them. Absolutely. And then once you understand who your best customers are, find more of them. Well, that's interesting. You say that. I mean, it's the 80 20 rule, isn't it? They say that 80% yeah. of your profit comes from 20% of your clients. Absolutely. And that's very often the case. And, and, and I've used some really useful little client grading software that look, there's a little questionnaire you go through with all your top clients and it grades them between A to D. Of course. And the A's and B's are the ones that really make your money. And the, yeah. B, and the C's and D's. 
Yeah. You're never going to make any Sounds a good idea, but maybe it wasn't such a good idea in the long yeah, term. Chasing turnover rather than profits. Exactly. Well, do you know what? It's been an absolute pleasure as normal. Pleasure Great to be able to get some of these anecdotes and awesome golden nuggets of information and uh, experience. Really enjoyed it. No, and Looking forward to her having another interview with Gary White. Well, I'm just off to my walking football. Which are I'm, you now? I'm making my debut at where, walking football. Where are you football. playing that? I'm, I know I look too young for that. At Malden, the plume score at Malden. Oh, are uh, you now? So, uh, walking I'll football. I'll be there with you. Don't run. Because I know what you like. You are going to run and smash it, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, fantastic, I might get Gary. A red card. <laughs> well, you never know. You get a red card or you're going to win. I'll look, I'll look forward to the message later to see if you won. Great stuff. Fantastic. Thanks so much for your time. Cheers. Thanks for listening. We want to help as many business owners as we can in this podcast. So remember to share it with your friends and let us know what topics you would like us to talk about next. See you next time. 